We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello, thanks for joining us for another Money Matters podcast. I'm Danny Hewson, and of course, I'm joined by Laura Souter. Hi, Laura. Hey there. I'm really looking forward to this episode because it is all about lifestyle creep, one of my favourite topics. I have to say that my lifestyle creep seemed to ratchet up during COVID for some reason. Um, And I think that was down to the fact that everybody was stuck at home and needed to entertain the kids. So I suddenly found that I had no fewer than four streaming services, which I think is just absolutely disgusting. But if you suddenly find that you've got that little bit of extra money, it is often really easy then to start paying out for those little extra niceties and to then get used to those things or forgetting that you've got them. And then, of course, when you get into a situation like we're in at the moment, then you really have to start thinking about money. But you probably don't do that because you're well across everything. Oh, I definitely am such a victim of lifestyle creep. I think particularly when it comes to holidays, I think that is my weakest area of cost controls when it comes to money. And I think just that like slightly nicer holiday, slightly more expensive place, that is definitely where I end up creeping and creeping. If I I think with lifestyle creep, as we'll discuss later, it's always interesting to look back at what you were doing maybe five or 10 years ago and comparing it to now. Holidays are definitely my my bad area, but I don't want to give them up. (laughs) We've gone down the opposite route, actually, with holidays. And because we have to do it in school um, holiday time and it just got I was outpriced, to be fair. I mean, it was ridiculous. So we actually have gone from doing those fabulous all inclusives at lovely places to glamping in the middle of the UK somewhere. So this is sort of off grid with a fire and some marshmallows and it's much cheaper. It's not quite as glamorous. <laughs> mm, I think I'd hack that for about one, maybe two nights. But anyway, I've been chatting to the fab Stacey Lohman from Claro Money and you can hear her tips about beating lifestyle creep shortly. But before we get to that, it's time for our one big thing. And Something we get asked an awful lot about is whether it is better to invest a chunk of cash or to have a regular savings plan. Now, I kind of think that there isn't a right answer to this question, but there is quite a lot of nuance. And the first thing to say, Laura, is that the sooner that you have a nice chunk of cash invested, the sooner you start with that lovely compounding. Yeah, if you've got a lot of money sitting in cash, maybe not earning very much money and certainly not beating inflation, you might think that it's a good idea to get that invested as soon as possible. And that's some great logic. There is a bit of a risk if you put it all into the market at the same time. So what that means is if you put it all into an investment account and then bought one fund or one share Um, on one day and invested all of your money at that one point. That means you're buying at one point in the market. And that day might be a day where everything's gone up. And that means you're buying a bit more of an expensive time. So that is one of the risks. And I think it really depends 
on how big a lump of money you've got and whether you want to space it out. So the alternative option would be you take that money, you break it up into a certain number of chunks and you invest it across a number of months so that you can ride out some of the highs and lows of the market and you're buying at different points in the market. Now, it depends how significant that lump of money is to you, so how much it makes up of your total savings and wealth and how much risk you want to take. But it's usually a good idea to at least break it up into a few chunks and invest over a few weeks or, or months at least just to spread some of that risk that you're not buying all on one day but of course unless you do get a bonus from work or maybe you get an inheritance or perhaps you sell your house and downsize most of us will find that they don't ever have a massive chunk of cash to invest so actually putting just a little bit by every month as you say does the job that you were just talking about. It means that you buy into markets at different points in the cycle. You get those chunks of companies at at different points at different prices. And it may mean that you can buy at a cheaper price and vice versa, I guess. Yeah, and there's a really technical jargony term for that, which is called pound cost averaging, which sounds so dull and complicated. But basically (laughs) what it means is that if you're you're buying when markets have risen and fallen, so you're investing a set amount of money, say that's £50 or £100 each month. And if markets have fallen, that means you're buying more shares because they're at a cheaper price. If markets have risen, you're buying fewer shares because it costs more per shares. But all of that kind of equalizes out over time and means that you buy at a better average price and you're kind of rising those highs and lows in markets. And it means it equalizes out. So it's a really good tactic to kind of reduce some of the risk in your investment portfolio, but also not to kind of be investing all at one time. But investing monthly also has lots of other benefits. It's really good to build up that habit. So anyone who's saved into a cash account and done it religiously every month will know that kind of feel good feeling they get from putting that money away and building up that pot and seeing that pot grow in time. And it's the same with investing. Um, If you get into the habit of putting that bit of money away each month and building up that investment pot, that's actually really motivational in then maybe thinking, okay, well, I can save a little bit more each month, or I did get a lump sum from a bonus or whatever other reason, I'm going to put that into investing and keep growing that pot. It's also very good for people who aren't very organized. So quite often people will think about investing, they'll put some money in, they'll invest, and then three months will go past and they'll think, oh, I've forgotten to put any more money in my investment account. That basically sums up a large majority of people, I think. And so (laughs) if you set up this automatic regular investing, which you can do with most platforms, you can do it with AJ Bell and with Doddle um, and lots of others out there, it means that it's all automated and it's taken care of. It's a bit like setting up a direct debit to pay off your credit card so you make sure that you don't miss your credit card payment. It's a bit like that where you're just kind of relying on automating that process to do it all for you and then you don't have to think about it and you don't have to worry that you've forgotten about it and it just all happens in the background which is great. I thought it might be good to have some examples as well of how little amounts can really add up when you're saving regularly and when you're investing that money. So if someone started at the age of 35 and they put away £50 a month and invested it, and I've assumed that they're going to get a 4% return a year, they could get higher, but I thought it would be better to go 
better to go not quite too risky. Um, they would have £35,000 after 30 years. So that's a long time period, but it shows how little bits of £50 a month can really add up over that long period when you add on that investment growth and those compounding returns. And we know that right now saving big chunks of money is hard for a lot of people with prices still rising. And that is definitely contributing to lifestyle creep and has made us all a bit more aware of how much we're spending. But to find out what lifestyle creep is, how to differentiate it from high inflation at the moment, and crucially how to crack down on it, I've been chatting with Stacey Lohman from Claro Money. So today we wanted to talk all about lifestyle creep. So first up, can you explain what that is for anyone out there who might not be aware? So lifestyle creep, sometimes called lifestyle inflation, is when your spending increases as your income increases. So over time, if your income has been rising through annual pay rises or job moves, you still find yourself living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. And so with inflation being so high at the moment, it's quite hard, I think, to differentiate what's lifestyle creep. So what's me spending a little bit more each month and what's just inflation being high and everything costing a bit more money. How do you kind of differentiate between the two of those? Yeah, I would say the difference is behavioral. So with inflation, you're going about your usual business, the same grocery shop, paying the same bills, living the same social life, but the price tag on these things has increased. Whereas with lifestyle creep, that usually involves new behaviors or new habits with how you're spending your money. So you might be adding, multiplying, or upgrading something in your budget. So you might have um, added a new hobby to your social calendar or your family have bought a second car or you've started um, taking taxis more frequently getting an extra takeout each week or you've upgraded things you usually buy to more expensive brands um, like upgrading to the latest phone or, or latest technology Okay, that makes sense. Also, worryingly, I can definitely detect some of those behaviours in my own spending. But um, so how do you spot lifestyle creep? How do you, you know, identify actually, so it's quite hard to analyse and say, actually, six months ago, maybe I wouldn't have spent that much money on that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's in the name, right? It does tend to creep up on you. Um, so if you're finding yourself, you know, still at zero at the end of the month, yet you know, you've experienced pay rises or increases in income that's usually a sign of lifestyle creep or you might even be starting to rely a little more on your credit card to pay for discretionary spends so things that you want to buy rather than you need to buy another sign is um i i would call it ripple effect spending so let's say you've made a choice to rent a nicer room in a more expensive part of town and then you want to buy nicer furniture to go in the room. Then you find the local supermarket is a more expensive brand. Um, it's more expensive to travel to the places or see the people um, that you want to see. So it's this kind of ripple effect of one spending decision leading to more spending in other areas too. Um, so, I mean, an obvious one in, in like the start of my career when I started earning more than I was used to was definitely clothes shopping. I was upgrading to more expensive brands. 
buying you outfits for every event that I was going to. But now I'm a lot more kind of conscious about sustainability. I, I've, I've changed that. I tend to buy secondhand or, or buy quality clothes less frequently. But bigger examples in my own life um, are probably too frequent house renovations um, or buying a camper van um, was was definitely lifestyle creep. So I kind of budgeted for the cost of the conversion of the van, um, but and things like road tax, MOT, the stuff that I knew I had to pay for. But what I didn't anticipate was like the wider lifestyle changes that came with that. So I actually started using the van for convenience for like shorter trips around town where I usually would have got like city bikes for that. Um, I go away on more weekends and then have started new hobbies as a result of that. So bought equipment for those hobbies. Um, so it's kind of like, is this one decision I'm making going to lead to other spending decisions that I therefore need to make? That's so interesting because I think that's such a clear example of how people could easily fall into spending more money without even realizing it or even wanting to necessarily but you know they've got one thing and to be able to use that or make the most of that you then end up spending more money I'm interested on the kind of social media impact as well because I feel like that must have had an impact on people's lifestyle creep over the years so you see this snapshot of someone's life and you think I want a piece of that or they're kind of um selling a product to you and you might end up spending a bit more I definitely feel like I've been guilty of that so do you think social media has has had an impact yeah I absolutely do um and intentional on the side of social media I think so there's a lot of research that suggests how we feel about our finances is a lot more influenced by where we think we stand relative to others rather than you know the actual amount of what we earn or, or how much we have in our bank account and social media and the effective advertising techniques used on social media intentionally amplify this effect so they make the latest trends more desirable more attainable more accessible and then you've got that alongside innovations in financial services so it's a frictionless process you know, you're on your social media and within a couple of clicks, it's connected to your bank account. It's already got autofill for all your personal details. So then it's suddenly the thing you wanted to buy is on your doorstep, potentially on the same day. So there's barely a moment in that process for you to take a breath and think, is this actually a thing that I want to buy and that I can afford to buy? And then you have, you know, the physiological effect too. So you get the dopamine hit. You know, we're all aware of like the immediate highs of instant gratification. And so it feels great and you want to do it again. So it's really easy for all of us, especially through social media, to indulge in that lifestyle creep and excessive consumption. Is there also an element where your kind of friendship group, your social circle, your your real life social circle, not necessarily your online one, um, can have an impact as well? Because as people get older, they progress differently in their careers, spend different amounts of money. And is there, could you have an element of lifestyle creep just from your social circle? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, money is, you know, it, it can be a real leading cause of of tension in any type of relationship and it's one way that's so easy to measure yourself against 
someone else. And then we have that primal instinct to to want to fit in, you know, into our tribe. So as friends go off down different career paths and therefore different, you know, income paths and and levels of wealth over time, we still all want to keep up with each other and and do the same things. And so there's a real drive to perhaps spend money um, on things that maybe you can't afford just to fit in. And so then how can you beat it? Maybe if you've spotted that you, your spending has crept up a little bit, how do you target it? What kind of things can you do to keep it under control and even stop it happening in the future? So a good place to start sounds cliche, but, you know, take a step back and really think about what is the lifestyle that you're really aspiring to and what makes you happy. You know, what do you love to spend money on and give yourself, you know, the freedom to enjoy spending money on that thing. And once you're conscious about what that is, that kind of makes it easier to make the difficult choices of where to cut back because you've got that thing that you're aiming for. So, you know, with taking my camper van example, I absolutely bought it to go on those adventures to start new outdoor hobbies and I want to enjoy spending on that so I need to budget for those bits but then recognize okay if I want to do that then I need to stop using the van for short journeys and and save for petrol in that way because that's not actually aligned to the lifestyle that I'm aspiring to so by recognizing what you really want to spend money on what a great lifestyle looks like for you um, enables you to make the harder behavioral changes in areas where you want to cut back. It's also really good to identify those things because if we think about the influence of, you know, our, our friendship group or our network that we were talking about, it actually makes it easier for you to say no to things when you feel pressured to spend. If you can say, actually, I'm going to you know, dive out of this one because I'm saving for this new hobby that I want to start or this new course that I want to do or I've got these plans next weekend that I'm going to put that money towards. So it gives you you more motivation to to say no and work towards the things that you do actually want to enjoy spending money on. Um, And then I would also say, you know, for financial innovations, again, have made it easier to keep track of where your money is going. So Banking apps, budgeting apps, you know, they let you see your spending broken down into categories, even down to specific retailers Um, or apps like Uber or Deliveroo. You know, you can see the cumulative amount that you're spending over time, how frequently you're using those apps. So it gives you the data and therefore the insights that you need to be able to build the awareness and then make behavioral change as a result of that. And then if if we go back again to the um, the ripple effect spending, a good question to keep in mind would be, you know, what could be the ripple effects of this one spending choice I'm about to make? And can I also af- afford those that wider spending over time? Or is that something new that I need to budget for going forward? And therefore, are you still happy to make that first spending choice? 
that's such useful tips um how do you how do you manage lifestyle creep if you're in a in a couple so you're kind of maybe have some element of combined spending is that a bit trickier because it's less about you just identifying your own spending habits and spending patterns and priorities like you say and you've kind of do you have to just navigate that as a couple I guess yeah I mean it's it's always more difficult to manage money when there's when there's more than one of you um I would say start having conversations about money as early as possible you know we tend to only think talk about money with our partner when we really need to like when an unexpected bill is hit or um we're in financial difficulty that we can't shy away from anymore so there's that emotional stress on a money conversation and we don't get that practice of talking about it um in a neutral way so understanding like your partner's perspective on money what it is they really enjoy spending money on where is it that they find it difficult to stop spending money what parts of money management do they enjoy what's going to be important for you as a partnership to spend money on in the future and then you can set some individual financial goals and some joint financial goals and then build plans together as to how much you can each kind of contribute to those. And I guess in theory, there's nothing wrong with spending a bit more as you get paid a bit more. It's nicer to be able to treat yourself to nicer things or nicer clothes in your example or, you know, better holidays, which is definitely my example of lifestyle creep. Um, is it just kind of drawing the line between... I guess, like you say, prioritizing what's important and what's not. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, making that conscious decision. One thing that I found really effective, especially when I was in work where I would receive an annual bonus, you usually get some sort of heads up as to what that bonus is going to be or what your next pay rise is going to be before the money actually hits your account. So you can therefore plan ahead um, and allocate that money to you know your savings goals or paying off debts and what and what treats you want to allow yourself to have so planning ahead in that way can be really effective so then as soon as the money hits your account you know these days you can even set up the automatic transfers on that day to the savings accounts that you want to allocate that money to um so planning ahead can be really effective and then, um, you know, if lifestyle creep is a really big problem for you, one thing that some of my clients have found painful at first, but really helpful is as well as just tracking where your money is going, keeping some sort of record with yourself about the emotions that you attach to each of those transactions. So, you know, are those new clothes you've bought a short term high, but now they're hanging in your wardrobe, it didn't really feel worth it on reflection or you know is actually late night taxis if you live in a city making you feel safer or um you know that extra takeout each week is it a convenience but actually it's making you feel guilty or or unhealthy whatever it might be building a, a better awareness around how these transactions are making you feel um can be enough enough of like an impetus to either allow yourself to enjoy them or or to find behavioral changes that make you feel better amazing thanks so much for joining us today we appreciate you taking the time 
Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Stacey Lohman talking to Laura and like all our guests, she was a good sport and offered up a financial confession. Um, I have two big ones. The first one is paying too much for my first home. It was in kind of 2015 when there was a, a property boom and I was moving out of London but still working in the city of London. And um, I found myself in a bit of a bidding war with another buyer and got suckered into all the estate agent tricks, I think, and, and put an offer in way over asking price. And on reflection, I think I probably went too high. The second one um, is redeeming shares from my employer share option scheme before the expiry date. Now I was in a three-year scheme and I was about one year into it and I decided that I wanted a career change and one way that I thought would be a good idea to motivate myself to actually resign was to redeem my shares from that scheme which I did so I just got back how much I put in I didn't make any profit you just get back the amount that you'd contributed and um, sold didn't have access to buy those shares in the future um, and in I kind of had the conversation and then decided to take a sabbatical from that job and then when I went back they offered me a really great role that I really enjoyed so three years down the line I was still in that company in a much better role and the share price had gone up a lot so I would have made a significant profit on those shares so that was a very foolish decision. I think that bidding war for properties is something so many people will be able to identify with when you get emotionally invested in a property and then the estate agents use all of their sneaky tactics on you to try and extract <laughs> more money from you. I think we've probably all fallen a bit foul of that over the years. And when you fall in love with a place and you've decided that is absolutely it, that is the one that you want to have and mentally you've already moved in, it must be really hard then not to just go hell for leather to, to get the place that you want, even if it means paying a bit over the odds. Yeah. But that's everything for this episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about coming back from a career break. So whether that's because you've taken time off to have children or for caring responsibilities, or you've maybe taken a career break to go and travel or study, any reason, we are going to be giving you all the tips and tricks on getting back into the workplace, building up your confidence, but also the financial know-how that you need. And don't forget, as always, do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at AJ Bell Money Matters on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok as well. Um, and of course, you can always email us as well, moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And if you don't already subscribe to this podcast, please do so. Leave us a comment so other people can find it. And it just means that every time there's a new episode, you get it directly into your inbox. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next time. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply. 
and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.